Let's do this. Let's talk about talk. Hey there, I'm your communication coach, Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please call me Andrea. Thanks for listening. Talk About Talk is where we improve our communication skills so we can advance our careers and improve our relationships, including in times of crisis and including virtually when we can't communicate face-to-face in real life. How timely, right? Welcome to episode number 53. This is part two of a two-part series on leadership, both featuring executive coach Heather Stark. In the most recent episode, we talked about general communication skills for leaders, In this episode, we're focusing on crisis leadership and leading virtual teams. In the last episode, we defined leadership as motivating a group toward a common goal. It really is all about communication, isn't it? None of this changes in times of crisis. So while there's chaos and uncertainty, it helps to go back to basics. It also helps to adopt strategies or playbooks that have worked in the past. If you consider, for example, corporate crises, such as the Tylenol poisonings in 1982, or national crises, such as 9-11, there's a playbook, right? Leaders first mobilize to quickly collect information. They create a task force, they take action, they calibrate effects, and then they seek preventative measures, all the while communicating with important stakeholders, including the press, employees, shareholders, and customers or citizens. Yes, it's mostly reactive, but there's a playbook of sorts. So in 2020, we're watching and participating with leaders around the world, responding to COVID-19 and racism boiling over. These crises will have permanent effects on all of us. Leaders of public and private institutions at the international, national and local level, and even in our own homes, we're following this playbook. But it's different this time, isn't it? Things are certainly letting up. But thanks to coronavirus, there's less face-to-face communication. And there's no question that more of our communication will be virtual from now on. There's no established playbook for leading a virtual team. At least not until now. That's where today's guest, executive coach Heather Stark, comes in. Heather's going to share with us her 5C framework for developing a virtual culture. I promise you'll find this 5C framework easy to remember and very helpful. Let me reintroduce Heather now and we'll get right into the interview and you can hear it directly from her. Heather Stark is a certified professional coach, a member of the International Coaches Federation and the founder and president of Stark Coaching. She also earned an MBA from Harvard Business School. Heather combines her formal education and her 25 plus years of business experience to help individuals and organizations navigate uncertainty and excel. Most recently, Heather developed a series of virtual workshops and coaching sessions to help her clients develop a sustainable virtual culture, to lead remote and mixed teams, to improve communication with a communication playbook, to hire and onboard new talent, and to forge their path to re-entry. Thank you very much, Heather, for joining us to talk about leading in a crisis and managing virtual teams. Thanks for having me, Andrea. I'm happy to be here today. So I'm really curious to hear your personal and professional experience that you had in the first few weeks of COVID and physical distancing. Can you share that with the listeners? Yeah, I I remember especially what happened before the directive came out officially as to how people were supposed to be handling this and about physical distancing. Leaders were really struggling with, what do I do? Am I going to have to tell my employees that they're staying home? 
Do I lay off employees? And so for those first few weeks, my learning curve went way up because I was on the phone with, you know, my clients, you know, that I normally talk with once a week, you know, in person or by phone or by Zoom, like three times a week, trying to figure out how do I communicate this? What do I say to people? What's the message that I'm giving? Should I tell people that I'm worried? You know, how much do I share? You know, this was a a really strong example of leading without a playbook. Nobody knew. And, you know, we've all heard about, you know, ways that you're supposed to manage, you know, during a crisis, you know, you get a tax force together, you learn as much as you can, you put together a communication strategy, you know, in this case, you get medical advice, you get all different types of advice to understand how to move forward. But everything was unfolding in such a surreal way in in many ways. Surreal and fast, right? Fast, you know, so it's like every day something was changing. And that processing speed that was needed, that agility that was needed, and the ability to be kind of vulnerable and be collaborative through this process and involving people in the organization at all different levels. You know, one of the challenges when people started being remote was, okay, getting everybody up to speed. A lot of people have laptops. A lot of people have devices to work remotely, but administrative staff didn't. You know, they had a fixed desk, you know, a desktop often. And so those are people that are really needed to interface with clients, you know, even if it's remote. So getting them up to speed, getting them able to work remotely, figuring out does somebody need to stay in the office? If they do, how do you protect them? How do you live with it if they get sick? So all of the different pieces, the emotion that was going into decisions was a very different way than people were used to leading. It wasn't all strategic and there were steps to follow. There wasn't a playbook. And so making it up on the fly, being agile, listening to people, collaborating with people and being willing to make some mistakes and then go, hey, you know what? I didn't roll this part out okay, but this is what we're doing now. You know, I think it's been very humbling for a lot of leaders and uh, there's been a lot of growth over the last little while. And I've been super proud to see how quickly I know the clients that I work with have adapted, how things that would have taken you know, months, years to get through have been done you know, in a couple of days, a couple of weeks. I've been very, very impressed with the agility of leaders. It sounds like a, a lot of the skills that are really important in successfully navigating through this crisis are very similar to the skills that we talked about in the previous episode about leadership and communication, right? It's just that they're amplified. It's so intense. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the things that I've learned and I think a lot of leaders have learned is that if they're cracks, they are magnified now. So if there were challenges in your organization, you know, this is a way for them to be magnified. And if there were people that were feeling a little disconnected, you know, and I talked before about, you know, each individual having their individual culture, you know, if people are working on their own remotely, that can shine through if the leader doesn't watch and try to build a little bit of cohesion and adapt how they're going to connect people together. So it takes confidence. It takes a lot of courage to be able to lead in a time like this because everything is really amplified. You know, learning a new skill like 
a lot of leaders started doing videos, you know, as a way of getting out the message to their whole team. They weren't maybe comfortable doing videos, but they've learned that skill, learning to look up into the camera as opposed to down, you know, and learning all these different ways of communicating important. So I think it's been a steep learning curve and it's been really challenging, but a lot of leaders, I think, have really risen to the occasion. To your point about rising to the occasion, as you're as you're going through this list of the of the experiences and the challenges, I'm feeling stress, like empathetic stress for these people. It's just so intense. And I guess one of the things that I've heard over and over again is how important it is to celebrate the wins, right? Oh, definitely. And that's like a huge way of connecting to your team, to individuals. It is so important to not just be on the doom and gloom, but to really be focused on how you're moving forward, how you know you're having those meaningful like human moments with each other you know celebrating birthdays celebrating um you know something that's gone well with you know your clients and a workshop that i've been doing a lot with teams during this time you know what i call the five c's of uh, developing a virtual culture and really you know celebrating is one of those so you mentioned your five c's framework and i'd love you to take us through those so there's celebrating and what else is there Clarity. So very, very important clarity so that you're communicating in a way that people understand and there's a clear purpose. Connection. Creating a connection with individuals to the organization. Commitment. Making people feel that, you know, they're just not a piece that's helping things move forward, that you actually are committed to the health of the individual, that you they're important to you as well. It's not just, it's the people first, the mission of the organization separate because it's all part of moving the organization forward. If you don't have the people, you're not going to be able to move forward. And, you know, communication. For me, when you're talking about culture, as soon as you start talking about culture, the place I go to is communication because it permeates everything that we do. It is so important and it's sometimes easier to talk about developing communication norms than developing the right culture of an organization. Uh, Because if you get the communication part right, you actually are developing the culture of your organization. So I think that that is very important. So we've got clarity, connection, commitment, celebration, and then communication and culture. This is a a really amazing framework that leaders are going to find very helpful. In your experience with your clients and your, I guess, your observations of what's going on in business, is there one that kind of rises up as being a particular challenge these days? So I think, you know, going back to starting with clarity is really, really important, uh, you know, at this point. At the beginning, when you were just giving as much information as you could and keeping people up to date. You know, now at this point, being really clear, you know, reminding people what are the, what's the mission of the organization? What are the values of the organization? How do you want to work together as an organization? You know, what's the structure that you're going to put around things to help with uncertainty? How are you going to make things clear for people so that they understand what their goals are, what their accountability is in this, so that they feel that, They are not, you know, kind of lost. You're giving them those touch points so they can understand what's beyond this horizon. What are we working towards and clarify what they're working on? I can see how that one would be the most challenging 
because it's almost like an oxymoron. We're dealing with this moment of uncertainty and even the directives that we're getting from the agencies and the governments are inconsistent, right? And we see the mayor doing one thing and the premier doing something else and people violating protocol and people instituting or recommending different protocols. And it's very confusing. And until consistent directives are communicated from these regulators, how is a CEO or a leader in an organization supposed to do that? But I love your point of clarifying then what we are certain about. We are certain about, for example, our corporate mission. We are certain about our structure, right? So identifying, I guess, and highlighting what we are certain about. Yeah. And I think it's very important. And this, you know, speaks to commitment as well. And so Engaged employees are more productive employees. And a lot of people have been asking me, how do I motivate employees? Because you, know, you have that peak where you're you know, really in that mode of high urgency and then you know, sort, of, sort of drifting along. And now we're going into the re-entry and some people are going to be working from home still for quite a while to come. Others are going in because they're essential to help the organization move forward. And so how do you get that commitment, how do you make people feel that they're important? And so, you know, that listening to the employees, you know, making them feel like you're committed to their well-being, setting some boundaries for your employees, you know, helping them to have a structure, but just having a schedule, having predictability whenever possible is really important. And that's an important commitment that you can make. So I have a really specific question related to that that I'm curious about your your take on. So structure and like a schedule, rituals that the organization is going to enable and reinforce are, I guess, really important for us, both in terms of productivity and even just in terms of our psychology and staying motivated, right? Yeah. However, that said, there are parents at home right now, particularly those with young kids, who are basically their child's teacher during the day. And if the organization is saying, you're now expected to be available between nine and five, they have to be on. So have you heard stories like this about it being particularly challenging to, I guess, engage a workforce where there's diverse family situations and and home situations going on? Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, the listening with empathy, there's a lot of organizations are doing these pulses, these anonymous pulses to see how everybody's coping. But when you do that, you don't actually find out what is happening at the individual level with people in your organization. And people might be afraid to, you know, say you have a Monday morning get together where it's a touch base and people can kind of have a coffee chat with each other, or maybe you do that on a Friday. You know, people aren't going to be sharing probably in that large group oh, you know what, I'm struggling because I right now I actually have a two-year-old that's sitting on my lap and I have to go change a diaper. Or I've got, you know, a 13-year-old that's having trouble following along with their Zoom lesson in school and I have to go and police that and make sure that they're not watching videos instead of doing their schoolwork. And so these kind of challenges that can be really, really draining for people. And it, it's happening. More women than men are actually facing this burden. Men are also facing it as well. I now have many conversations with people because it's safe to have the conversation with me where a child is crawling all over someone. So this is something where empathy comes in and that commitment to the people in the organization is super important when you're dealing with a virtual and mixed teams because it's been announced they don't have summer camp either. So what are employees that are dealing with the children going to be doing while they're working at home? They're having a lot of difficulty with the boundaries between home and work. And so talking to those people and, you know, there's a lot of working kind of 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then, you know, not working during the the main hours of the day, the main work hours, you know, quote unquote of the day. And then 
starting up again and their child going to bed. And so that flexibility is really important. And I actually have been doing a lot of work with organizations to help them develop a communication playbook so that they can actually learn, do a survey to understand what are people's work hours. If I need to talk to you about something that's a little bit more personal, how would you like me to do that? Would you like me to pick up the phone or would you like it to be by Zoom or by FaceTime? You know, how are we going to communicate what your hours are to other people? As we move into a situation where we're going to have people that are continuing to work remotely and others that are in the office, some people are going to leave the situation saying, I was not effective working from home. I don't know how anybody can be effective working from home. Others are going to be like, wow, I was so effective working from home. I want to do this forever. And so you're going to be coming into the situation now as people are going into reentry of Okay, how do you balance this? How do you do fairness? How do you build trust when some people are remote and some people are working in the office? How do these things work? So this is where I'm doing a lot of work around developing this communication playbook, which, you know, will act as a guide as to how you deal with challenges that occur within the team. So I heard in your answer there, there's almost a hierarchy of really understanding the preferences and the capabilities given their their home situation of your employees. So you can get anonymous feedback, right? That's kind of the first tier. The second tier would be some sort of group meeting and checking in, could be the the Monday morning Zoom call or the Friday afternoon call. And then at the top level, you need one-on-one input and understanding from each of your staff members, I suppose, about what's going to work for them in terms of timing, in terms of communication medium, and all of the preferences. And um, I guess this is an opportunity for a lot of organizations and leaders to really get to know the people that they're employing, right? And Mm -hmm. And to engage them to be more fully productive than they've ever been. Yeah, because people, if they are able to work in the way that is the most productive for them, they will be more productive. I think at the beginning, it was really difficult to do this. But now that we're seeing, you know, a lot of organizations are announcing, you know, we're not going back till the end of the year. Uh, We're only going to have a skeleton staff. We're, We're going to be completely virtual forever. Uh, you know, so there's you know, different levels within organizations. I think for most organizations, there's going to end up being a mix. But I think that there's going to be a fundamental shift. Yeah. So I'm actually really thrilled about that, to be honest. I worked directly with a CEO a couple years ago who was very against people working from home. She was managing an organization where I understand people needed to be there on at least a semi-regular basis, but there was really no reason. And now she's working at home and she's seeing that you can still be productive. And I'm so thrilled for her staff. (laughs) Yeah, but this is what it took because I think for a lot of people, there was this feeling like, oh, I'm working from home. And then it was like, uh, I'm actually like taking the day off and I'm doing yeah. a dentist. Yeah. But now people are saying no. And actually, I think a lot of people worked harder through this time than they would have normally. They I've heard that too. Things have changed. You know, people that have been wanting to work from home for a lot of time and felt that they'd be more productive without the commute, uh, without, you know, having to, you know, work on specific set hours, they're going to be more productive. And so it's a gift to organizations also, even from, you know, office space. (laughs) I think in-person meetings are still going to be important at some level when we're able to go back to them. But a lot of people will be able to do their day-to-day work very effectively and very productively. And you know what? For the people that feed on other people, those people that need that in-person interaction with people, having the opportunity for them to be able to go into the office and be in-person in the office, 
that's fantastic. Everybody learns differently. Everybody communicates differently. Everybody works differently. So this is a real opportunity to maximize productivity, maximize motivation, and really get you know your best possible workforce that you you can have. As you're describing that, I'm I'm feeling I'm forecasting that there's going to be a bit of a shakeup. Of course, there is, but one of the shakeups will be there will be organizations along this continuum of we're going to go back to being face to face. We have to because of this. Yeah. And then the hybrid that you're talking about, which will probably be quite common. And then yeah. the other organizations that we've heard about in the news that are going to be almost 100% virtual. Mm-hmm. And then you have the individuals that have preferences for based on their personal situation and based on their communication preferences and their work preferences. And I think there's going to be a shakeup where people are going to be like, okay, if I can't do this with this firm, I'm going to go to another firm where this is how they operate. And ultimately, hopefully the firms and the individuals can all be more productive. Exactly. And, and I have, like most of my clients, you know, developed some sort of questionnaire over the last couple of weeks where they got feedback from their organization. How has this experience been for you? Would you prefer to continue to work from home? If so, how many days per week? And, and so right. even also asking questions of your organization, what are things that we started doing during this that we should continue doing as an organization? You know, getting that feedback, this is such a gift to be able to get feedback from your organization. Your organization. So you're, you're describing a, a format of questionnaire that I really like using, the start, continue, stop. What should we start doing what should we stop doing and what should we continue doing? And now would be a great time to take a pulse with that. And that leads me, I guess, to the last question, which is how will these skills of crisis management on behalf of leaders and particularly what's been going on for the last couple of months with COVID help managers ongoing in the quote unquote new normal that we've started to describe here? I think, you know, continuing with the learning and the openness, you know, and the agility that we've seen is is a really important piece. Uh, we've seen organizations innovate at a really fast pace and move and make changes that they weren't able to make before. And it, I, I really firmly believe that as you're rebuilding your culture, understanding how you're going to communicate as a group is going to be a cornerstone in developing a communication playbook so that you as a leader know what's important and how to communicate to your organization as an entirety and the individuals on your team, that there's a way of managing conflict, that there's some norms around assuming the best in people, especially if there's a mixture of people you know, that are virtual and non-virtual. You're not in a situation where you can tap somebody on the shoulder just kind of to acknowledge that, hey, I know we kind of had a little bit of a disagreement there, but we can move forward. You know, sometimes you can, when you're in person, you can navigate things a little differently than you can when there's a bit of physical distance between people. So really assuming the best in people, how it's going to be fair, how you're going to help people that are in situations that are a little bit more challenging than others, and also tapping into that empathy and that vulnerability as a leader so that you can share that, yeah, you know what? It's challenging for me too. And to celebrate with your team and not forget about that, like the connections, the celebrating, making people feel the commitment to them. These things are all important things and moving forward in a way that allows people to connect as opposed to just see each other on a screen. And being more intentional than you were before. What you're saying, how you're saying it. So assuming the best of each other, helping each other. So celebrate the things that are going well. Help buoy people up. And listen beyond the words. 
Very, very well put, Heather. I feel like we've kind of gone full circle here and it's back to some of the leadership qualities and skills that you said in the beginning of the first interview that we did, right? And it's everything based on this incredibly intense experience that we've all had is now amplified. And hopefully we can use that as a catalyst to not only reinforce, but to grow our communication and our leadership skills. Thank you very much, Heather. Thank you very much, Andrea. This is a real pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thanks again to Heather for so generously sharing her expertise with us for this episode, as well as the previous episode. Did you catch Heather's insight about how it's sometimes easier to establish communication norms than it is to create a culture? This insight can be so incredibly helpful. Yes, creating a corporate culture can be an overwhelming task, and even more so when it's virtual, right? So instead, try focusing on establishing communication norms. Culture and communication are so closely linked. By establishing these communication norms, you are simultaneously creating culture. So what are the five C's of creating a virtual culture? There's clarity, connection, commitment, celebration, and of course, communication. Keep this list in mind as you're navigating and leading your team. So first, there's clarity. Heather highlighted that clarity is probably the most important of the five C's. Particularly in this time of uncertainty, leaders need to ensure that there is a clarity of purpose. Team leaders need to know what to do and why. They'll also appreciate clarity on what is certain. Is it the mission or vision of the firm? Is it the values of the firm? Is it the significance of a particular project they're working on? Leaders need to provide clarity. Then there's connection. This second C means creating a connection with individuals to the organization and amongst each other. We talked about how firms can take the pulse in three ways. Anonymous surveys, group meetings, and one-on-one. Ideally, you do all three. That way, you're maximizing touch points and you're maximizing the opportunity for team members to feel comfortable in sharing their individual ideas and concerns. People may feel disconnected, particularly now that so much of their interaction is virtual. Leaders need to go out of their way to ensure every member of the team feels connected. The third C is commitment, as in leaders ensuring that their team members know they're committed to the health of not just the organization, but of the individuals. It's the people first who create and enable the mission of the organization. This can come through implicitly in what you say and do as a leader, It can also come through explicitly, like asking someone, how are you doing? Really? The fourth C is celebration, as in celebrating the wins. The win could be landing a new contract. It could be meeting some goal of the organization. It could be getting through the day. It could even be someone's birthday. You can celebrate by publicly proclaiming the win in a meeting or maybe on social media. Or you could deliver a tangible prize. Make celebration a part of your culture. And last, communication. Heather highlighted that as soon as we start talking about culture, the first place she goes is communication. Communication permeates everything we do. And sometimes it's easier to talk about developing communication norms than it is in developing the culture of the organization. I found an article on leading virtual teams that suggests leaders create a list or a table that outlines the various meetings that they have, highlighting the mode of communication, the meeting cadence, the meeting agenda, and the meeting participants. I'll leave a link to that article in the show notes. 
But I'll also add that there's an easy way to remember this. Just think of W5. Do you remember W5 from your school days? Who, where, what, when, and why? So who is the meeting participants? Where is the media? Is it Zoom or phone or Slack? The what and why is the topic and objective of the meeting. When is the frequency and duration. So yes, I just added the W5 framework into Heather's 5Cs framework. Bam! I couldn't help it. It really works perfectly, doesn't it? I leave you with this thought. As you're navigating uncertainty, crises, and managing virtually, take a step back, take a deep breath, and think of this as a checklist. The five C's. Am I providing clarity? Are my team members feeling connected? Am I demonstrating commitment to the firm, and more importantly, to each individual team member? Am I encouraging and enabling celebration? And last, am I communicating ideally with the team and encouraging them to do the same, using the W5 framework to do so? Okay, that's it for this episode. I hope you've learned a new framework that will help you become a more effective leader. If you check the show notes, you'll see a printable summary of Heather's 5C framework, as well as links to a few other articles that I found that you might also find very helpful. Now, if you're not signed up already, I strongly encourage you to sign up for the Talk About Talk email blog, where you'll get free weekly communication skills coaching from me, including insights from the podcast, some behind the scenes stuff, and more, all delivered directly to your email inbox. Just go to talkabouttalk.com now, or email me directly, and I'll add you to the list. As always, I would love to hear what you think about this episode, any ideas you have for future episodes, or anything else. You can email me anytime at andrea at talkabouttalk.com. Thanks for listening, and talk soon. Talk soon.